0: everyone on the solemn occasion of the 20th anniversary of 9-11.
1: Lynn I'm gonna stop you we're gonna talk about September 11th in a minute but first we'll talk to our guest William Roth and then around minute 34 small engine repair around minute 45 come from away around minute 51 worth Around minute 65, Dating in New York. Around one hour and nine minutes, The Card Counter. Around one hour and 17 minutes, Queen Pins. Around one hour and 24 minutes, we'll talk about Lynn appearing at Booter Library. And then at one hour and 29 minutes, we'll talk about Those We Lost. Can you believe it's 20 years, Carl? Uh, I can because I remember watching it in... The room that is now my child's bedroom and she was not born yet. So every time I think of it, I think of that room and I realize, oh, a a whole human being has gone through life and through high school since that fateful day. When I went to take my wife to the airport that morning and somebody said, counter people said, honey, you better just go home. There ain't going to be no flights today. And that was after the second tower fell. Oh, wow. Well, my aunt, no, after the, after the second tower was hit. So the second time ta- we saw the second tower fall from the airport. Oh, my. Well, my aunt, now she was headed to DC, DC Oh, my for, God, for the Daughters of the American Revolution. So, well,
0: guess that was well, everything my, was. my uh, uncle and aunt were on a runway in Boston. Oh, wow. And they were grounded. They were like, Nope, you're not going to San Diego. No. And then uh, I was working, I was managing editor of the Sinclair County Hub, the Suburban Journals. And one of our, our staff, his wife was stationed at Scott Air Force Base, but she had just taken a job at the Pentagon. And, you know, in 2001, we didn't have really good phone systems back then. And he was frantically trying to get a hold of her. Oh, my God. I just can't even imagine that terror of trying to get a hold of people that day, William, where were you at?
2: I dropped my son, who now uh, graduated last May from uh, Regis University, off at uh, day school. Yep. And he came out to the car and turned on X and boom.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a gorgeous day. It was really beautiful. I I think my boys, well, one was in high school and one was in grades in middle school. And they both came home, but they didn't come home early because I think the school had decided not to scare everybody and not to have hundreds of parents rush the office. But we came home and sat there and watched the whole thing unfold. And in our neighborhood, there was a gas station, and I looked out the window, and the line was down street.
1: Well, I, yeah, I went, I went to Belle Reve that day, because uh, the golf tournament was in town, and we were, you know, by five o'clock in the evening, you just, there was no new information. So my friends and I, we had four tickets, and the four of us went and just walked around Belle Reve and it was the Buick Classic, and I remember that because Tiger Woods got in a Buick and drove home because he wasn't going to stay because they said they were going to cancel the whole tournament, so he had to drive back to Florida.
0: Well, didn't they uh, have? A, I mean, nothing was open for a, a long time. I remember that, like the NFL stopped and uh, everything stopped, the ball game stopped, and then uh, our president came out and threw a first pitch at a Yankees game which signaled the start of things and then uh, I remember going to the rep that Sunday for Gypsy and they took up a collection for New York and I think everything was was pretty much on very confused because the airline space was because which we're going to talk about some of the movies that have come out since 911 especially a couple that are right now available, but uh, what do you think the enduring lesson is from this.
1: Uh, TSA was created and now everyone hates going to airports now.
0: Right well our guest is William Roth, who uh, is one of the founders of the St Louis actor studio and. What anniversary is it for you? Uh,
2: this is our, uh, well, we had part of the 14th season prior to COVID. And so now we're restarting our 14th season. Okay. So you are not actually on a
0: stage, but you have been to New York. And have you seen any of the memorials while you've been there?
2: I have. I've seen most of them. Um, yeah. So I've been to New York plenty of times and uh, we, we, I take the time whenever I can to go by the 9-11 as the
1: reflective pool.
2: Right.
0: That's so, I remember when we went, because my son lives in Brooklyn, and uh, we the museum wasn't open yet, because it's 2013, but there was such an eeriness and a solemnity, like nobody was taking selfies, and nobody was laughing or anything. Everybody was going around, looking at all the names, and everybody was very reverent. There right. was N- nothing like a, a typical tourist attraction, none of that. And we had been at ground zero in 2004 when it was just the dirt surrounded by a fence. And they were working on reopening the subway stop there. And I just remember it was a Friday night and the loud bustling city was so quiet around there. It was just the the strangest feeling because it was a burial ground. If if you think about what happened, what happened in the, uh, it, it was just to see it's it's still stunning when you look at any of the images from there if you remember any of that experience i think it's one of those that we will never forget although we're not in necessarily that united feeling that we had then
1: right right i, bu- I got this hat in new york we we flew to europe um and on the way back, we had a layover in New York and I saw, I think I saw America's mayor wearing this hat at the Yankees game. And it is a New York Yankees hat and it says FDNY PD. So it says FDNY and NYPD. And it's a, it's a great hat. And I saw that and I wanted one and i we were at, I don't know if we were JFK or New I think we were at JFK. And I kept looking for one and they're like, oh, no, we can make you one right here. So they made it for me. And then, of course, the next kiosk we went, they had them for sale in my size. So, of course, that's how, that's how it always is. But, yet, and, but I'm glad I have it. And I, I love wearing this hat, even though it's a Yankees hat. It, but it's not a Yankees hat. It is, it is um, remembering the first responders from New York City. It's not a Yankees hat, but it's right. a Yankee.
0: Right, so we will, uh, we're gonna talk to, uh, we're gonna talk more about the 9-11 documentaries and films that are currently available. So much stuff. I know, we wanna, it's overwhelming, but it's also necessary. Um, I We wanna talk to William about the upcoming season opener at St. Louis Actors Studio, which is 14.5, the (laughs) long episodes. (laughs) Right. I like that because
2: they are there, you know, they could have been buried forever had we not resurrected them and ignored COVID and uh, moved on to our 14th season after we tried to start it last year. But, uh, yeah, we're back on the stage uh, next Friday uh, with two one acts by uh, two of the greatest playwrights ever to come out of uh, Britain and the U.S., uh, The Dumbwaiter uh, by Harold Pinner and The Zoo Story by Edward, by Edward Albee. And that opens the 17th and runs through October 3rd.
0: Well, I remember seeing the zoo story uh, when I was in high school speech. uh, Somebody did that as a uh, duet acting Uh uh, scene. And I just was transfixed by it.
2: Yeah, it's one of those plays. They were both written almost uh, identical times, both in 1959. This was Albie's first play, uh, not Pinter's, but they are certainly uh something to behold as far as their effect on what was to come from those was to spring from that new brand of writing, uh, into the future of what we've got now.
0: Well, you have done several El Edward Alby shows. You've done Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, which was absolutely brilliant, and mm-hmm. you were the uh the George, dad George,
2: George, right?
0: I know George and Martha, and uh <laughs> Is brilliant production. And then you did Three Tall Women. Right. And The Goat. Right. And now, have you ever done The Zoo Story before?
2: No, we have not. Uh, And so I'm excited. And I really um, love one acts anyway. Uh, And I like to present more than one story in an evening, which is what one acts always do for you, which is why I love our one act festival so much. Uh, So, yeah, you know, last season that was canceled was Two to Tango. We were doing all two handers um which we're not quite doing uh this year uh but uh two out of the three are for sure so um no we hadn't done zoo story before we've done pinter i love pinter academically but i've always uh felt as though not always but certainly recently felt as though uh, there's a dwindling audience for his some of his plays uh but this one act is just fantastic the dumb Waiter.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to that because I haven't seen it, but I did see The Homecoming on your stage and that was the first time I saw Peter Mayer in action. Oh, is that right? First introduction to uh, one of St. Louis's greatest actors. And that was very interesting. And oh, so dark. And then Charlie Barron, who has made a career out of being villains. Oh, he Mm. was, oh. So you called... Harold Pinter, the British playwright, the master of the slow burn.
2: So
0: (laughs) explain that to me.
2: Well, Pinter is known for his pauses. I mean, everyone talks about Pinter's pauses. He has a deliberate way of writing. He says that he writes uh, in succession uh, so that where uh, most writers or playwrights might put together a outline and decide how things are going to end and uh, start and end and uh, what they're trying to accomplish across the piece He doesn't do that so he says or so he said prior to his death he writes he comes up with this a situation will occur to him they go through the front door or however it begins and then he just decides what they say to each other and how it progresses as it progresses as he sits in front of a uh in front of a pad of paper and so as a result of that sort of thinking uh his plays develop especially this play uh they develop uh slowly methodically uh, with uh, great impact by the time you get to the end, most cases, um, right. but this one is just, uh, and both of them, uh, uh, are just, uh, uh Dumbwaiter in particular is just funny and interesting and then completely, uh, completely tense. Uh, it, it, it's just a great, funny, uh, but then thrilling ride.
0: But I like, uh, since I'm not familiar with that, what I like about the zoo story is it could take place now if you think about it. Like it's not, even though it was written in the 60s? 59, yep. Okay, so it, it, it could, play. I mean, the way it's set up. So right. you in it, tell us about your character and who is opposite you.
2: Joel Moses is a new actor in town from Chicago and we're both in uh, both of the plays. Uh, and so uh, my character, Peter, is just sitting on the bench, uh, reading as he does every Saturday when, in, in good weather, as he says. Uh, and what wouldn't generally happen back in the 50s, and these are both set in the 50s, uh, you know, back then you left your key in your car and your door unlocked. And uh, the west side of New York was fairly seedy and the east side was where all the rich people lived. So you'll hear him talk about uh, um, Jerry. Jerry. Uh, who's Joel's character, talking about where he lives. And if you think about the address, you're just like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> that's about as nice an area as you can imagine. Uh, but what happens, what What Albie sets up is this confrontation on this bench between this uh, man of questionable uh, psychiatric uh, steadiness and someone that just is a happy-go-lucky fellow that wants to read a book. Uh, and so it's absurdist theater, uh, but it's also uh, a... Uh, inside of it is a stunning monologue of a gentleman trying to work through uh, the pain of his life.
1: Now, and- William, I, I have a question for you. You are the, you're the artistic director for St. Louis Actor Studio, right? But you're acting in this, so you're you're putting on the hat of an actor rather than an administrator. Uh,
2: right.
1: But you also had to just steer your way out of some would say not over, but the the tail end of a pandemic. How, how is it going, especially in these times, to be an administrator and having to be an actor at the same time?
2: Well, being an actor is a, is a great escape from being an administrator, I'll tell you <laughs> that. <laughs> Once we get in the theater and we start working on these pieces, uh, it is one of those um, times when you really don't want the rehearsal process to end. Uh, performances are certainly the kind of cherry on the top, but Uh, to examine these plays in depth with the two of us no distraction by a large cast a lot of times with a bigger cast you don't get as much one-on-one I mean every night being able to break it down line by line and scene by scene uh, and learn so much for this and see it in contrast between when it was written and what's going on now as Lynn said uh, has been fantastic and so you deal with the administrative stuff as it comes Uh, there's always been problems and things that get in your way and then uh you know once you're in the theater and it gets uh, the light house lights go out you can forget all that
0: well this is the before the phrase unfiltered was coined right and jerry is very much a guy without a
2: filter right jerry is uh like i said struggling with uh with his life and what's going on and doesn't have a whole lot of human contact and so when he stumbles across uh me uh, i become uh uh, the guinea pig for today, as I say in it. And uh, once we start talking, uh, it doesn't stop for quite some time.
1: <laughs> A whole act, I think.
2: Right.
0: And and that's great. Well, it's directed by Wayne Solomon and Carl, you might be familiar with his name because the theater at John Burroughs school was named after him and he's consi- John Hamm considers him one of the mentors and John Hamm came back to dedicate the Wayne Solomon Theater at Burroughs. And uh, I've had the pleasure of seeing Wayne both on stage and as a director. And the last thing he did for the St. Louis Actor Studio that I was just blown away by was Farragut North, which is by Bo Williamson, the St. Louis- Willimon, Will I? Oh, I am so sorry. And I just okay. saw him last year at the St. Louis Film Festival. And he right. was two- also a
2: student of Wayne's at John Burroughs.
0: Right, so Bo Williman, And he's the one that was the showrunner for House of Cards. But yes. uh, this play, Farragut North, was turned into the George Clooney movie, Ides of March, with Ryan Gosling. And that character, the Ryan Gosling character, was played on stage by Spencer Sickman, as you know, one of my favorites. And he's on stage, practically the whole time. And Wayne wasn't too far from me in the audience. And he was, you could just tell the wheels turning about, well, this is working, this isn't working, this is working, you know, just because he just probably is one of those directors that's very precise and demanding of his actors. Is that a correct assessment?
2: Yeah, he uh, he is, uh, I mean, I've, uh, I've held Wayne in high esteem for a long time, uh, even back in the theater project days when I would crawl through the rubble of Union Station to see a play on their stage there. Hmm. Um, he is precise, uh, but he is an actor's director. He is uh, kind most of the time, amazingly insightful, uh, and uh, carefully uh, guides you in a way Uh, that works for everyone. He's also the, because he's an actor, he can kind of give you examples of what he's, if you can't get there by his direction, he can actually kind of give you an example or two of what he would do if it were him, uh, to clarify things if they are unclear. But most of the time um, his engagement in every aspect and the new ideas and things that he brings to every rehearsal is really quite fantastic for us.
0: And he directs about once a year for you?
2: He does generally, yes. Yeah. He's retired. And so he's got some time to work with us. And uh, so yeah, we're excited. He's done the goat and um uh August Osage County. He's uh mm-hmm. yeah, nothing's too big or too small for, for you, him. You do. did
1: that that is one of my favorites. Uh you did that. Uh,
2: I was in it here at the gaslight. He played I played the uncle.
1: Yeah. That's... Charlie.
2: Charlie. That's right.
1: That's right.
0: And uh that was a brilliant cast. And I just love that uh that place so much. But you told a story when you uh, were in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf that you had run into Tracy Lett at an airport. And he's one of my favorite playwrights. In fact, um, Steppenwolf is offering three virtual plays by him for only $20 beginning September 29th. And I got my ticket right away. And just FYI, if you want to see Tracy Letts, but what was that like talking to Tracy Letts?
2: Uh, it actually wasn't, uh, it wasn't Tracy Letts. It was um, um, Bill, um, uh, uh, what's Bill's last name? The the clown that played it on Broadway with, um, oh my goodness. Oh,
1: yeah, 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 uh, yeah.
0: Oh, you know, it, Carl, he's the one that kind of looks like, He's in the be "Don't Worry, Be Happy" video, and he's on Broadway stage a lot. Bill he's Irwin. Heard.
2: I'm sorry. Yeah. So it was Bill yeah. Irwin that I met when I was there. That's so great. when I when we just, sorry, uh, 58 years old. I can't. And anybody that knows me and will watch this will be like, he can't come up with his own family name members' names. <laughs> uh, so I was yes, I was in New York, and uh, we were had decided to do Virginia Woolf. Uh, I was doing as much research as I could. I was at the uh, film archive. Uh, there's a great film archive on Broadway, just off Broadway, where just about every uh, show has a single camera film that you, if you have an equity card, you can watch. So I'm watching them. And uh, on the way home, I flew out of Newark Sunday afternoon, not much going on. And uh, I'm standing in line to go through. There's hardly anyone there. And I turn around and Bill Irwin, who won the, uh, uh, the Tony uh, for playing George, is standing right behind me, um, who I had seen actually do it in, in London uh, with Kathleen Turner. Uh, so we proceeded to, I actually looked at him like, oh my God, and he of course was ready to run like I was some sort of crazy fan. But oh, when I explained uh, what the look on my face, he then spent about an hour and a half with me at the airport talking about working with Albie on that and that part and, uh, and opening night, he sent me a break a leg text. It was it was pretty amazing.
1: Oh, nice.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, that's, that's so awesome. So you have picked for this lost episode season you have picked the two opening, the two 1X to open with. Right. And then you are, what it what's the rest of the lineup for the season?
2: Yeah, so we uh, what was planned last year and what Neil Labute has written for us, uh, a world premiere of his two-hander, another two-hander that Carrie Ely and Spencer Sickman are in called Comfort. So that's next, and that is December 3rd through the 19th. Uh, we then are doing Hand of God by Robert Askins. Uh, which is a hilarious romp uh, uh, of a uh, gentleman who's uh, young man whose uh, parents are worried about him. So they, he, they send him to a religious camp uh, and one of the hand puppets uh, is demonic. And oh. so uh, hilarity ensues, of course.
1: As it uh, so it's a
2: reverent and laugh out loud, funny. And I'm looking forward to that. That's February 18th through March 6th. And then our Labute Festival, one act festival is back July 8th through the 31st.
1: And you can find all of this at stlas.org. That stands Correct. for St. Louis, actorstudio.org. Right. Yep. And the theater is a black box.
0: It only has 97 seats. So tell us about the safety protocols that you have uh, put in place for this year.
2: Yeah. So we've sent out and are receiving our season subscriptions as we speak. Uh, we early on, uh, decided that, uh, everyone would be masked. Uh, we have hand sanitizers. Our season ticket holders are getting custom, uh, reusable masks made by, uh, Teresa Doggett, our costumer. Uh, we'll have, yeah. So we'll have those for them. Uh, we have disposable ones for everyone else. Uh, we have asked all of everyone, uh, who's coming and season ticket holders because they can come and take their placard and save their seat to send in their vaccination card. So we'll keep those on file with their, seat holders, uh, and then everyone else we're asking to bring their Vax card as they come. Uh-huh. So Vaxi, uh, everyone, and uh, masks will be worn uh, uh, the entire time you're in the theater. There's also a very stringent uh, actor's equity. The union uh, has stringent protocols for rehearsals, and uh, we're sticking, we do those. We have a, a compliance officer that's at all the rehearsals, and um, uh, the cast is, is kept, is fully vaccinated. Everyone that's in the room during any rehearsal. Is fully vaccinated. Uh, other than things going on on stage, uh, appropriate distances are kept, uh, and then after performances, the actors are kept away from the audience members to uh, to ensure their safety.
0: Well, that's that's great to hear. I know uh, everybody's different, but I'm getting more and more uh, emails with the the rules. I I assume because it's at Actors Equity Equity, but you also are in the city of St. Louis, right? you have to follow the public health rules as well.
2: That's right. And then we've done that all along prior to the season, we've had some musical events and other things in there. So as the CDC uh, comes out with with, uh, rules and the city adopts them, we always stick to all of those things. Which is great to hear. Well, we've always had masks. Uh, We pretty much had a mandate on masks uh, for six or eight months and now we're adding uh, proof of vaccination.
0: Well, the last show I saw was Anna Purna, which was fabulous. And
2: yep. the last thing we did.
0: And then you were heading to uh, another show, and then boom, everything that happened.
2: Yep. That seems
0: forever ago, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it does. Luckily, we had uh, we had some programming to keep our uh, people in touch. You know, Neil uh, was generous enough to give us all of the TV uh, and video that he owned, uh, and so. Uh, his 10 by 10 monologues and his Billy and Billy uh, dish TV series, all of those things. We uh, we uh, passed out every week or every two weeks to keep people engaged. Uh, and then we had this lovely um, uh, pandemic play uh, that takes place on Zoom as opposed to trying to do a play on Zoom. This place took place during a Zoom call between uh, a theater and their employees to try to figure out what's going on and how they're going to cope. And that was really the culmination of things that we were able to pull off. uh, And that was a premiere uh, also. So uh, we've been able to do a few things uh, from a distance that uh, doesn't look like trying to fit a, you know, peg through a square hole or whatever they say about those sorts of things that don't work quite well.
0: The Zoom play was really good. And it reminded me of so many people I know in the theater. Right.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, it was written by a theater person and a playwright in in St. Louis and Hannah.
0: Yeah. That was done by a play, a playwright who is in Chicago now, but. That's right. Yeah. Wish she went to Burroughs. Correct. Yeah, we have a great
2: relationship with Burroughs.
0: Well, they sure churn out the, the uh, talent. They do. Which is remarkable. And Taylor Peetz is teaching there now. So I was really happy for that. Now, um, one of the things that, uh, that you, um, well, Neil Abute has had a relationship with you all since, I want to say, what, 2013? Is that yeah, when? Yeah, the... I think mean,
2: we're about nine years into it now, 10 years. And yeah, it started with an evening of his one x
0: Right, and it's a, a new play festival, so people can submit plays from all over the United States. Right. And it isn't necessary, but, but Neil usually debuts one act uh, as something that's very either prescient or topical time. And uh, those have been very interesting works. And uh, then you've taken them to Broadway for a brief
2: run. Right, whenever we can. Uh, and I got to get back into it and see where we can find. But yeah, we we're at 59 East 59th Street uh, for a handful of years. And then the, the Davenport Theater and then COVID. So um, we're not sure where or when we'll be back in New York, but we try to take the best of the best that premieres here. Uh, work out the bugs, and then take those uh, to a New York audience. It's been so much fun, and I look forward to trying to figure that out again.
0: And Neil comes to town usually, and he's really, you have a young person play festival too, like uh, young people in high school, uh, their scripts, and he works with them. But one of the things that when he's been into town, and we've gotten to chat, Carl, his favorite band is
1: Wilco. Well, they're they're local. Well, kind of. So well, that's that's the thing. Uh, Jeff Tweedy doesn't really admit he's from Belleville. He just, oh, you know, he does. Yeah, he does. they're a Chicago uh, band.
2: I read
0: a memoir and his chapters on growing up in Belleville, because I did, are a hoot and a holler. And he's a very colorful writer. But when Neil first met me, and that was when I was writing reviews for the Belleville News Democrat. He said,
1: "Belleville.
0: I wonder where that was, because that's where Chip Tweedy's from. So that was the icebreaker about Wilco with Uncle,
1: him. Uncle Tupelo is a Belleville band. Wilco is a Chicago band. Wow. That's that's just that because he, you know, he grew up and went to the big city, and that right. and Wil Wilco is a different part of his life, other than you know Uncle Tupelo, which I, we all grow up, right." Yeah,
0: but his book, I forget what it's called. I have to go now or something like
2: that. Uh, I believe
0: that's right. Yeah, it's a, I mean, seriously, he is a great writer and it's really funny, but I've just gotten off topic there. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, so, no
1: way. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to Comfort because most of his work that has been at the St. Louis Actor Studio it's you think it's going one way and then it hooks you and has a twist and goes for the jugular and that uh, it is such brilliant work and it gives the actors some right. media roles to be in and the lineup this year has some of the the most accomplished actors and actresses in the St. Louis area. But when you see them in the St. Louis actor's studio, because it's so intimate, it's like a whole different
2: experience. Right. And Eric Dean white and uh, Colleen backer are uh, leading the cast in uh, hand to God, which I don't think I mentioned earlier. So you're right. We got a great, uh, we got a great lineup of actors. We're very fortunate. And uh, yeah, seeing them in that space is, uh, is unlike anything else. And Neil's play comfort is, while I will say it's different for him. Uh, it still has uh, plenty of Labutian Lebu- uh, aspects <laughs> that will uh, keep you engaged. Um, it's great, and we're very lucky to have a, such an accomplished writer writing for us. Right, and continue to to do that and work right. well.
1: Well, and do you appreciate somebody of that magnitude, you know, helping out
0: right locally? Right. Right, well, I always enjoy it and uh, there's two weekends usually so one weekend is uh, our well actually it's two weekends of one lineup and then it reverses to the next lineup of people so you only have like two weeks to get these and this year you're doing Thursday through Sunday correct.
2: Yes, which actually we've always done that. So we always open on a Friday and then we uh, for our regular plays and then we pick up Thursdays for the next two weeks. And then La Butte Festival runs for four weeks uh, and there's one Thursday. So the first one runs through uh, the two weekends and then the Thursdays off to get the tech together for the next one. The next one opens on a Friday and runs uh, for the next uh, weekend, including Thursday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for each group. And Neil's yes. play plays the entire month. Uh, well,
0: if somebody wants, that's right. If somebody wants to get tickets that you go through Ticketmaster, but you can show up within an hour
2: of the box office opening and get your tickets there. That's right. Or you can buy a season subscription by going to the website and downloading the form and save even more money. And, and get you get, a free, play. You and get a, a free face, face mask. And a free face mask. That's right. And then of a custom
1: game, made one.
2: It is. You'll love it. And instead of having to just fight the crowds to get a seat, you get there in half an hour before everyone else, and you can put your placard down wherever you want to sit.
0: Well, we've talked about the actors, but we haven't talked about the stage crew. And I do want to say that you have a great stage manager in Amy Page, and then your lighting and scenic designer is usually Patrick Huber. And what he does on that small stage, Carl, you would have been so impressed with the with the house for August Osage County because it was remarkable. And for little foxes, that house, what he does right. with that small space is amazing. Sometimes I,
1: less is more.
2: That's right. Well, he gets it all in there though. It's uh, it's quite amazing. I've known Patrick and we've worked together since the Orthwine Theater days. And so uh, as soon as I started St. Louis Actors Studio, I knew that I had to have him around and he has, including this one now, I just left him this morning. Zoo Story Waiter is another masterpiece by him. Uh, he's done comfort. He'll do Hand to God. So he's on there uh, full-time direct designing all the sets, not always the lights, but uh, he, uh, August Osage County was funny because I wanted. I said, we're doing the play and he's like, there's no way we can't do it. He had done drawing after drawing and was like, there's no way we can't do it. And I refused to take no for an answer. And, uh, we worked it out together and, uh, it worked great. Made it happen. Yep. It
0: did. And the blocking too. use that, use the space Right. and family dinner. Cause that's always one of the best. That's scenes. the hard part. Right. Yep
2: oh man (laughs) yeah I got that over through him by taking a picture uh, while I was watching it in New York in that same film archive I took a couple stills because I wanted to prove to him or at least show him how the other and they on Broadway they uh, they had them all sitting in a line with their backs to the audiences they did nothing uh out of the ordinary to make that happen so I was like look if this is what's going on on Broadway you can certainly make it happen here uh and he did it's a plus we had the discussion, you know, when you have a big family home and a big dinner, you know, kids sit on the stairs and some sit on the floor. And, you know, so we, we got through that pretty quick.
1: There's a kid's table. Right. Right. And even, even if the kids are 28 years old, they they still sit at the kid's table. So you can get more at STLAS.org. Oh, and I just need to, I want to throw this in the uh, Jeff Tweedy. uh, Autobiography is called let's go so we can get back. (laughs) Thank you, Carl. You're welcome. I looked that up just for you guys.
2: Thank you, Carl.
1: You're welcome, William.
0: (laughs) Good. So people can do bigger deep dive on Edward Albee and Harold Pinter. But uh, trust me on this one, it's unlike things that you've ever seen. So it's
1: not the same old, same old
2: at all. Even close. No, this is uh, unlike anything you've seen. And it's quite an evening of theater.
1: Well, Lynn, before you got here, William and I were talking about turning one acts into movies, and I wanted William to stick around just a little bit longer for our discussion of small engine repair, which yes. started out as a one act. And minutes. We, we, we were, say that again? 70 minutes. Wow. Well, they... The problem with some th- uh, one act plays when they try to expand, they just they just make it into not much more. they, you know, they just expand scenes. but this small injury pair expanded characters, they expanded plot and they expand, expanded scenes. And so it wasn't and and, and also uh, places. So I was very impressed. This I, I said to Max, because Max was asking me about this, I said this is a, a triumph like the father was a triumph. Because the father didn't feel like a play. And William and I were talking about doubt. Even, if, even though the great acting, it still feels like a play. And Hamilton is a play that they just filmed. They turned small engine repair actually into a movie they did and when i was watching it
0: just like when i saw straight white men on broadway i thought well this is perfect for st louis Actors studio and you were going to do it but you have to postpone it to another season right but um the uh small engine repair uh are you familiar with the the play by john polono a little bit yeah well, he it was first on the on the Los Angeles stage, and it won every award of that season. Right. And it four guys. It was three childhood friends who grew up in Manchester, New Hampshire, and uh, then a younger uh, character that comes in. I don't want to give too much way about the no. younger, right? But uh, it's uh, it it has the cadence of longtime friends and. On stage, John Polono, he played Frankie, the lead character, and then John Bernthal, who plays Swaino in the movie, created that role on on stage. But the new people are Shay Wiggum as Packy and uh, uh, Spencer House as Chad.
1: So that's the now but, now but now hold on, Lynn. The people that originated it on stage. This is also something that like, they tried to do with Rent, that they tried to make them look younger. Instead of doing this, they created new characters and they did a flashback scene. So these people that played younger versions are now playing the parents of the characters that they played on stage, which I thought was very clever. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't know that you're teaching me something I didn't know. So the, was... the, original, the original four people that were in the cast on stage are actually in the movie, but not necessarily playing the characters that they played on stage. Okay, because there is that flashback with the
0: dads. And I which, which I, I was...
1: believe was created for the film. And there are also females in the play now. Sierra Bravo is fantastic as the potty mouth daughter. And uh, Jordana Spiro from My Boys, she is the alcoholic wife that is only talked about in the play.
0: Right which and they they both add a lot to they the do uh, depth of the characters and the flashbacks so John Polono acts he directed it and he adapted his play and the play opened in LA in 2011 and there was an off-broadway production in 2013 so the fact that it's still so relevant, right. 10 years later is pretty remarkable because that phrase toxic ma- masculinity, we didn't use 10 years ago. No, we do. But it is about that rigid view of females and
1: males. And uh, and, and it, it brings the question, well, what if you had a daughter? And there, there are two time jumps in this film. Uh, one at the very beginning, which was added for the film showing our main character getting out of prison. And that scene doesn't work for me because they try to make Shea Wiggum look uh, 15 years younger and they they do it with makeup and clothing and it doesn't work. It almost took me out of the movie because some some of those guys look good younger. Uh, Shea Wiggum did not. He's Shea Wiggum. He looks like he's 80 years old every time, no matter what age he is. He, he looks like an old man, but he's not an old man in that
0: scene. Well, Well, they, they put a soul patch on him.
1: He he, he looks stupid, but then there's a second time jump because, you know, once he's out of prison and he's got his established business, something happened and he doesn't drink anymore. That's, that's what one thing that cleared up his life. He doesn't drink and he doesn't smoke anymore. And so when his friends go out and drink and smoke and he's not like that, he says, this is what always happens. We, we need to not hang out anymore. And then there's another time jump. And that's that's probably where the bulk of the play probably took place. Right,
0: because it does take place in his me- me- mechanic shop, small engine repair. Machine shop. Yeah. It's in a remote location. And uh, this is where the action is. And what I liked about this, because at first I didn't think I was going to like it, because it's a lot of locker room talk. It's guys being guys, that phrase, which I can't
1: stand. Yeah, but and it's, a, then- it's a play, so there's a lot of talking.
0: Right. Well, and and it's just their culture, the way they were brought up in this town. And uh, they show the dads who weren't very good role models. So they're New York,
1: they're New England goombas that, you know, you know, the thing that Rachel Dratch and Jimmy Fallon used to make fun of on Saturday Night Live. These are those guys.
0: Right. Wicked funny. And all that. So I have relatives out east. So I, I but they live in a nice part of Manchester. But uh, you can identify
1: with that. But what's so brilliant about this play, it's so well constructed even that with- you know what's gonna happen, even if you you figure it out before some of the other characters, but they, they've already established those other characters are dumb. So you you know what's happening as soon as there are a lot of clues that give you it's well written it is very well written well the thing is about that big
0: the big twisty twist though is you don't see that coming
1: uh you, i, I kind of did
0: you well that's because it's
2: you well, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, but the, i i'm admitting that it is well written it is well it is really well well, that's written. usually what
2: happens when they maintain the original writer throughout the piece a lot of times when they don't go back to the well to develop it further. It's a different writer or writers. It starts to fall apart.
0: Yeah. Because it does have a lot to say. And and it's when it when it does the twisty twist, you're like, well, Mm -hmm. I sure thought this was going one way. and it totally changes everything and so that's why i think it's it had a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes i haven't looked recently to see but all of us in the st louis film critics we have all given it high
2: marks I, I I, i haven't seen it yet but i'm sure it'll end up on a gaslight stage at some point
0: well that's what i was thinking i was thinking well it's four guys and it's just that you know it's a, a garage right and so it's perfect for your stage right and because you do things that have something to say right but also you do funny stuff but i'm just saying you do you do
2: <laughs> i mean it's, it's not gonna like make the most of the 2 hours
0: when you're there yes right. right right which is good and then we have what we have quite a few things that are for adapted yes. from
1: from other work. Well, William, we, we don't want to keep you. We thank you for your time today.
2: Thank and you for having me. You're welcome. Well, sure. It's always a
1: pleasure.
0: It's always a pleasure. And if you want to get back into the theater, this is a good one to start with because it's intimate and small and you will feel safe. And two stories for the price of one. Yes. That's right. That's right. Anything you want to add that you haven't touched on?
2: Nope. I think that's it. We're there all year. There's always something going on at the gaslight. And so don't be afraid to put on your mask and come on in. Absolutely. We'll do. Well, I'll both. be there. All right. We'll see you guys soon.
1: Break your leg. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thanks. Well, Lynn, yeah. let's talk about something else that was adapted. Come from away is on Apple TV right now. And right. This is what I, I was talking about earlier, plays that are just filmed. they they didn't they didn't do anything special. but the play itself is special, and it lost to Dear Evan Hansen. It is such a great play. I love that show. Come from Away. It would have won best musical if it wasn't up against Dear Evan Hansen that year.
0: right. That was the joggernaut that beat them because we saw that first at The Fox come from Away, and then we saw Dear Evan Hansen. and this one friend of mine, who immediately put Come From Away in her top five of all time? She said, "I don't understand how Dear Evan Hansen." Went. And then she saw Dear Evan Hansen, and she called me up and she said, "Oh, okay, but I now I now. understand. <laughs> now yeah. I understand why Dear Evan Hansen won." And they're both coming out this year's films. Yeah. But Come From Away was filmed at the Broadway theater, uh, the Gerald Scheinfeld Theater that they've been op- they opened march of 2017 and they had to close because of the pandemic but it sold out audiences and then it was on the national tour and you and i saw it um Ah, so good in may of 2019 and i blubbered uh through it and it's so heartwarming and uplifting and i wasn't familiar with this story it's based on real events of uh, September 11th, 2001, but the songwriters like to say it's really a September 12th story. Right. Because it takes place over five days. This little town in uh, uh, called Gander in Newfoundland had an airport that was used for many refueling international
1: flights. It was big and enough, it was the closest big enough airport that could land all these planes that were coming in from Europe on Tuesday, September 11th, 2001.
0: Right. The plane that has the majority, the pilot and the majority of people, it was Paris to Dallas. And because Dallas is the big hub for American Airlines, and this was an American Airlines. So uh, 38 planes were diverted to Gander, and the town of 70 of 7000 people suddenly doubled because there were 7000 passengers that had to be clothed and fed and housed Housed. yeah they weren't going
1: to keep them on the planes
0: and and comfort and even though they were on the planes for 14 28 hours they would eventually get up so the townsfolk went sprung into action they started clearing spare rooms out. They got food. They uh, had buses. The buses were on strike, but the buses picked the people up at the airport. And we're talking different nationalities and religions and ethnicities and people with dietary needs. Like, is there a vegetable in this town? <laughs> and um, and and just different. And these these townsfolk. What they did was the composers, uh, who are married. Irene and David, they um, went to the 2011 reunion and they interviewed people Mm -hmm. and some of the characters are composites, but many of them are based on the real characters like we have the mayor of the town, we have the police constable Oz Fudge, you would never make up that name. No.
1: And, and, and uh, a lot of a lot of actors are playing multiple parts, too, because they're taking care of the entire town and all these passengers. And so they're compositing characters and compositing actors at the same time. Right. Which works. Um, it it did
0: win. It did. Even though it was nominated for seven Tony's and lost most of them to Dear Evan Hansen, it did win for Best Director Christopher Ashley. And he returned. So this, uh, what happened was, even though they were off for COVID, when uh, the health restrictions were lifted, the public health restrictions were lifted in May, they filmed this over the course of, just like Hamilton, a couple of days with a live audience, though, for this one. And they did 10 cameras and they did the crane and that. But it is really basically just a filmed play. However, The material just grabs you by the throat in the beginning, and there you go. But uh, the audience was uh, 9-11 survivors and Mm -hmm. frontline workers.
1: Because, yes.
0: So that's what they did. And then, um, so they filmed this to put on Apple Plus, and then uh, they will resume the Broadway uh, stage on September 21st and then uh, they will resume the national tour in October because uh, when we saw it, it had been sold out everywhere and everybody just, who doesn't love this show? Oh, it's such a great show. And the music is so uplifting. And that that opening scene, because I saw that at the Tony Awards, I didn't know anything about this show. And I saw this opening number and I went, whoa, Mm -hmm. because it's Welcome to the Rock and they set it up perfectly and they introduce themselves and they introduce, they show what happened, uh, how they heard about September 11th. And uh, they go from there, but it's,
1: I just, it just, if ever we needed an uplift, it's now. Yeah, it is a fantastic show. I cannot recommend it. Uh, it If you don't have Apple Plus, which I don't, I would get it just for that because it is so good.
0: Well, I'm trying to convert everybody to Apple Plus watchers. And so I discovered that if you have Verizon cell phone service, you can get three months for free. And okay. if you have the Target application on your phone i do okay go to target circle and apparently there is an offer for four free months really yes because we were because those of us who are in the ted lasso camp uh, are trying to get everybody to watch it but also apple has the bill murray rashida jones movie on the rocks they have the new children of deaf adults coda and uh they're about to start the morning show again and then john stewart's new show is going to be on there so if ever was a time to get apple plus it is now
1: it is now and i i'm on i'm on my way to doing so all right speaking of september 11th which we are and today is the solemn remembrance it's patriot day and it's also remembrance day um there's a movie that has been out for a year and a half but is now just on Netflix. It, it came out in January and it's called worth and it's it has an amazing cast. Michael Keaton, Amy Ryan, Stanley Tucci, Tate Donovan, Laura benettini wait Ben. Not, Benanti. ben she she played Melania Trump for Stephen Colbert, but she was also she's a, an accomplished Broadway actress. Oh yeah, Tony nominee. And she's she's fantastic and she she lays the, a lot of people uh, overdoing some accents in this movie. It's called Worth and it's on Netflix.
0: And it premiered at the Sundance Festival in 2020. It is a historical drama and it is about the true story of the lawyers trying to determine what a a life is worth for the victors comp for the victors for the victims compensation fund. And we have the government, we have insurance companies, we have corporations who don't want to be sued the airlines. And we have the uh, poor uh, uh, families that uh, kiss their uh, loved ones. Goodbye that day, or went off to work and then they're the ones that were trapped in the towers or they were first responders and they never came home just like Pete Davidson's dad and uh it's so sad and they share their stories about Mm -hmm. um they heard because this is back when you we didn't have smartphones so people Uh, Michael
1: Keaton's got Michael Keaton's got a flip phone as he's waiting to see John Ashcroft
0: Oh, and so he plays Ken Feinberg, the lawyer,
1: who's a a real guy and has done a lot of good things since then. But at the time, he was a cold, hard numbers guy. And this changed uh his life.
0: Oh, yeah, because he uh, Amy Ryan plays his partner and uh, they start hearing people's stories. And it's just you cannot get those. Faces and kids' pictures, and Stanley Tucci is so good. His yes. wife died that day. She had she was working her dream job at a law firm in the well, town. No, no,
1: not Stanley, Stanley Tucci's character, Charles Wolfe, who is also right. a real person, right? right. So, Charles, Charles Wolfe's uh, wife died, and but she thought he was a crusader even before she passed. So, right, and, and, and she, and he tells the lawyer, cause they have a
0: meeting with everybody and everybody is so upset about what uh, they, because what they did was they did a scale. Like if you were a CFO of a company, you were going to get more than uh, a firefighter or, or a waitress more, or a waitress at the windows on the world. And by the way, I was at windows on the world. So I saw that view. And so the day it happened, I still have this huge up framed photo- uh, photograph of, uh, bro- you know, the view of the Manhattan skyline from Brooklyn with the Twin Towers on it. And I will never, never not have that on my wall. But anyway, well, it's because about it,
1: it was based on what your income would be and how much if you lived another 40 years, what your income would continue to be. And so the CEOs, of course, were going to make exponentially more than a waitress would, which some people found unfair. And it's it's interesting because this is based on Kenneth Feinberg's book, What Is Life Worth? And it doesn't necessarily, you'd think that it's something based on his own work would make him look better. It does not make him look better at all
0: no and uh his character uh, michael keaton is so good at this the accent's yep. a little heavy a little but a little little heavy but you you don't really see him that much in dramatic parts although he has been acclaimed in dramatic parts he uh played the editor in spotlight he's and much then- better
1: in this than he was in uh, trial of the chicago seven but just as smarmy Right, because he plays the former attorney general. Mm-hmm. And so he's in a
0: bureaucratic role as this government. And uh it's very fascinating how this plays out and he's got pressure. And John Ashcroft looks like the a terrible person.
1: Yeah, but then he's he's a neutral party in this. He he that's politics. It is I understood. Ashcroft's role in this very well I I got it and it's not it wasn't about him that's why they had Feinberg doing all the dirty work he was this special master as they called it and that was his job he did it and he did it for free he didn't want to get paid any money he let the rest of the lawyers in his law firm continue to do their law their lawyering and he did this with uh, his partner Camille Barros.
0: Right, he was played by Amy Ryan, who is a Steppenwolf veteran, by the way, uh-huh. a stage veteran, an Oscar nominee for Gone Baby Gone.
1: And you know that if Kenneth Feinberg and Charles Wolf could have agreed to something, if they, that's all you needed to do, get them together at the beginning of this process, and then there wouldn't be this down to the wire kind of thing. If and everyone in the entire movie. And of course, 20 years ago, they weren't thinking about this. They were just, oh, he's his own thing. If they would have worked together from day one, it would have gone a lot smoother and a lot less money would have been lost.
0: Right. Well, it's a very fascinating, gripping uh, story, and it recalls the anguish of these people who lost because their voices are on voicemails that they didn't pick up mm-hmm. their um there, they, there's
1: issues with uh uh state by state gay marriage and civil union laws
0: right and then there's a character whose husband uh who has been put a, on a pedestal
1: has... has a separate family and and i'm sure they just picked and chose the best dramatic things for the film but i there i'm sure there was every single you know 2977 people died that day and so they had 7 billion dollars to divvy up. So I it's daunting task and I I'm, I'm glad they, they said they only had what 94 people that didn't participate with with like more than 5000 claimants because of families and such or double families and girlfriends and kids and so it it's very good for what it is it's it's still something I mean it's not an easy watch it's and and you know what I I asked I asked Lynn Dan and Max what movies I should watch and I think I shot probably especially watching it on the morning of September 11th 2021 I probably should have watched Kate the movie the action movie Kate with uh Mary Lynn Weinstein or Mary Weinstein and uh Woody Harrelson instead of this, because this uh, they can show this in schools later because this is this is very fascinating, but I think I wouldn't have gone with something so heavy today. It made me very sad. I watched it last night and it made me
0: very, very, very sad. I should have watched the action movie. Most of, Well, we can talk about that next week. And the horror movie, I'm not watching horror movies at night, especially how they say this one is so creepy and so gory, malignant. So we will talk about Kate and Malignant next week. But I think we did pick the right one for Worth because okay. it, it started on Netflix September 3rd. we They did not promote it which I was very stunned at because I went through my emails saying, did I miss
1: something? No, and and they didn't even, normally they send a thing that said, we've added a movie that you think you'll like. And they sent me Kate. They didn't send me Worth. So they're being very, because as we talked about earlier, there are a lot of September 11th things right now. There's a lot of September 11th media and a lot of September 11th memorials and content right now hashtag content there are there are a lot of things going on right now and I think uh, them being subtle about it was the right play
0: right and most of the people that were lost were providers for their families Mm -hmm. and there's just a whole like people of the nightly news last night was full of stories there was a woman who had only been married less than a year her husband was a firefighter and, uh, she put on her wedding dress, Steve Hartman, who has the most brilliant segments on CBS evening news mm-hmm. every Friday. And then they rerun them a lot on the Sunday morning show. But, uh, she talked about, you don't move on, you move forward. And she is since remarried and had children, but they show, uh, her wedding pictures and stuff. And so she ironed her wedding dress and she went to the memorial and she put flowers on. And it just breaks your heart. And Absolutely. even you know, and she said, um I just know that I've loved these two men. There's her first husband that died is always gonna be in her heart. Right. But um it's just so um uh, it's still so stunning to remember that day and remember the lives lost I Uh, shared with you the MTV tribute video with the U2 song Walk On because that was a time where everybody was being united and the whole walls of pictures missing. When you knew that those people were not going to be found, it was just a way to honor them. Right. And uh, how everybody came together. I have the DVDs of those two benefit concerts. 10 days after 9-11, George Clooney, Tom Hanks, and Brad Pitt arranged that tribute to heroes that was on all the networks. And that has some of the most touching performances. Bruce Springsteen, Uh, They sing City of Ruins. Neil Young does Imagine.
1: Uh, Uh, Didn't Foo Fighters do Wish You Were Here, I think?
0: Yeah, I think with Johnny Resnick of Goo Goo Dolls too, they do Wish You Were Here. Such a brilliant lineup of performances and very reverent. And uh, then there was the concert for New York City, which was several weeks later. And that was a raucous affair because they invited all the police and fire fighters and uh, first responders that were survivors and their people. And that's when the who did that Baba O'Reilly that showed all the guys just rocking out and just letting their hair down. And then when the who had the Kennedy center honor a couple of years ago, they opened the curtain and I still get chills remembering this. And I showed it to my, my journalism class, actually Uh, the firefighters sang teenage uh baba o'reilly which is the song teenage wasteland so Mm -hmm. the who the who didn't know it so they open the curtain and there's all the firefighters and the police officers singing to the who and the who they all start tearing up and crying Mm -hmm. it was really an emotional moment to see that but if you go back and you think about that because U2 was the first band to uh, play Madison Square Garden and that's where they got the Bono got the lyrics for City of Blinding Lights
1: well and Um, then they also did that at the Super Bowl that year and they had the names of everybody Uh, that's when the uh, Rams were beaten by the Patriots
0: Right. So at uh, at the halftime they did where the streets have no name and they scrolled down. And if you go back to what to see that you can see Pete Davidson's dad's name in the uh, thing, and the thing at the engine house, whatever. And then there were uh, all sorts of I mean, people forget because the the two. Towers had so many office buildings because people think about the firefighters and and that but they forget about there was a whole a uh, bunch of businesses that were totally wiped out
1: yeah well there are there are other things going on in New York right now, and right now there's a film out from i f c it's called dating and New York, and it's cute. But it's something, I mean, it's about the young generation. It is Gen Z. It's not even Millennials, it is Gen Z. And it stars Jabuki, Jabuki, Young White from The Daily Show and Francesca Real from Stranger Things. And she and he meet on a dating app called Meet Cute. And it's it is very New York and it is very Gen Z, but basically it is friends with benefits or whatever uh, any it's they they have a contract to have just casual sex and not become dating partners and it's it's cute it also has uh jerry ferrara from entourage he's actually narrating the story he's uh jabuki young white's uh doorman at his place and it's cute but it is very dated it is of the now this movie is what it is to be a young person dating in New York in 2021, in 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 five, three to five years from now, this movie will be like this is a remnant of a time gone by because they meet they meet on a dating app called Meet Cute, which is funny and it's funny that uh, Milo Jibuki Young White's character uh, has several dating apps because he's got several things going on, and Milo and Wendy they even, even while after they've had their first great date, they're not ghosting each other, but they are ghosting each other. And they're, they're already trying to see other people. It's just, it's something I don't understand, but I I guess if I was dating now, um, I would get it. It's uh, written and directed by uh, Jonah Feingold who did the uh, star Wars West Anderson, which was the parody of uh, force awakens. And so I liked it. So I, I, Thought it was cute, but it is very of the moment. Is it like the Modern
0: Love anthology on Amazon Prime?
1: Uh, no, it's not. It's not that, not, not that. It's not, it's different. It's different than that. This once I laughed out loud a couple times. times, uh, Arturo Castro plays one of the uh, boyfriends or ex-boyfriend and Alex Moffat plays one of the boyfriends. And then they have a, they have a uh, a pair that they just, get together and they're like normal dating people so i i liked i liked uh jesse and hank more than i liked milo and wendy even though you know why milo and wendy are gonna be you know uh, that that's it's when harry met sally so they have uh-huh. to get together well one of
0: the things that we didn't mention about small engine repair it does talk about dating apps and technology and how Mm -hmm. that's played such a big part of people's lives now because when we were younger we just had to talk to people
1: (laughs) right well yeah that's the thing uh the daughter wants the dad to start getting out there again and then she's she's like i'll just swipe right but this is this is you know a lot of texting and stuff and it's very ifc but and i know gay people have pl- played straight people before and vice versa but Jabuki Young White's whole thing on the da- on the Daily Show is that he's a gay young man in New York and so i i it didn't bother me of course it's not going to bother me but it's it was just like wait i thought that was his whole thing that he was a gay person of color but he's playing just a straight millennial or not millennial sorry gen z guy so it really shows that he can act not that he you know what I'm saying, but his, his his whole shtick on the daily show is that he's gay. And I love the fact that he's acting as like a straight guy. And because he's still him, it's still his, it's still his personality, which I like because pansexual in, in these kids now, they can date whoever they want. Not that he dates a guy or anything like that. It's just, and I, I, I found it a good change of, Uh, shtick for him and I like I think he's very funny on the daily show
0: Uh uh-huh well I saw a very dark and depressing movie (laughs) called uh, the uh, card counter yeah it's it's disturbing but yet it is hypnotic and haunting. It is by Paul Schrader. And if you are familiar with his work, then you know absolutely what you're getting. You are not going to get something that varies because he wrote Taxi Driver, yeah. Raging Bull, and one of the uh, St. Louis Film Critics Award winners first reformed mm-hmm. a few years ago where he he um, had a script with Ethan Hawke, who was brilliant as this priest who uh, did not... Or a, well, Episcopal, who did right. not, um, who was wracked by guilt.
1: Well, and he also wrote the Last Temptation of Christ, and it's this stars one of his. Uh, his this stars Jesus. It's got Willem Dafoe in it too, besides Oscar Isaac and Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish.
0: Right. Well, Willem Defoe isn't in it that much, but he is definitely no. the. He is a former uh, major. And he was in Iraq, uh, Abu Ghraib prison. It's, oh, those scenes are so harrowing and really disgusting. So they don't use Willem Dafoe that much, but they set up his, his evilness very quickly. Oscar Isaac plays uh, a guy who has survived eight and a half years in prison based on his activities in Abu Ghraib. And he was because they had photographs and everybody in the photographs was prosecuted, but the higher ups were not. So (laughs) he is now he in prison he was taught how to count cards so his post prison life is very austere he is a cool cucumber he's very icy personality he goes around casino to casino and plays blackjack or poker and he runs into Tiffany Haddish who is definitely playing against type she runs a gambling studio so this is very much the inside ins and outs of gambling apparently these corporate rations, they get this stable of people and then they split what they make They're these investors so she wants to get uh, uh oscar isaac into the fold and he's like i work alone i don't like drawing attention to myself i uh have modest wins because he doesn't he wants want- to
1: stay out of prison
0: right he doesn't want to attract attention well he goes to Atlantic City for a law enforcement convention and the guest speaker is Willem Dafoe to talk about he runs a consultant uh, firm for security that's what he does post-military so he runs into Ty Sheridan whose character is Kirk with a C Uh and he notices oscar isaac from his from uh he he has his number let's go mm-hmm. like that so he hatches this revenge plan that he wants oscar isaac to uh help him with and and oscar isaac's character whose name is william tell oh good yeah it's actually uh a last name that's shortened and they call him in the army they call him his real name but Um, He decides to be a mentor to Ty Sheridan and take him on the road with him but Ty can't be controlled and he is really uh, wanting so this is a revenge thriller. Oscar Isaac's character has very serious demons so that icy facade he has occasionally cracks and you see this very scary personality emerge, and uh, at first you're a little taken aback by how kind of nuts so he could go, but uh, he <laughs> does a diary just like Ethan Hawke did in First Reformed, and uh, it's it's very well done. And I understand that Ty Sheridan's character was going to be played by Shia LaBeouf. Oh, Shia LaBeouf had a dropout for whatever reasons that you know shy has to drop out of things and nicholas cage who's a good friend of paul schrader's um uh recommended ty sheridan because they work together on joe oh okay so that's how Ty Sheridan got the run. But Sheridan is very good in this. Very, very good. And some of the twists happen off camera, so it's not as grim. I mean, this is grim. I'm not. I am not sugarcoating this at all because it is definitely grim. But it could be even worse if we saw some of the things that happen.
1: Okay. But we don't. Well, you it, know what. Yeah. I, I I don't think I'm going to see this movie.
0: <laughs> well, it he- opened only in theaters on Friday, and Focus Features did not make it available to us, St. Louis critics. But I was able to see it because now we're hitting into the for your consideration. Ah. I got an invitation for a screening room, and you had to jump through a lot of hoops. Yeah, and I was to get it on Monday, but I didn't get it till Wednesday. And uh, there was all sorts of problems with the links and with everything. And we had to be authenticated and we had to go through even more hoops than you usually do. And so I didn't get to watch it till Thursday. So I am late on like my print review. I did review it for KTRS, but I'm just a little late with everything because I didn't see it until later. But this is one of these that i don't think it's going to be in the awards consideration because there's going to be so many more people Other, better there, well yeah if there was i mean you cannot go wrong with oscar isaac because he can play edgy and dark even though he's uh you know the hero poe dameron in all the star wars he what?
1: is that who he is yeah he's actually going to be on the star wars um terror tales lego which is going to be it's going to be like a treehouse of horror thing on disney plus it's it's going to be a star wars lego version of treehouse of horror that i think they're going to try to do every year if this one's good and poe dameron and oscar isaac are going to be in the first one so i'm looking forward to that coming out in october on disney plus Oh well the first time
0: I saw him was in Inside Llewellyn Davis yeah. and a lot my issues with that movie I still really liked him he and well, Jessica Chastain are going to be on HBO in a miniseries scenes, scenes from a marriage
1: based which on is the film
0: the Ingmar Bergman movie that I saw back mm-hmm. in the day in real you know when it came out almost and, 50 years ago Oh my God, it was so brilliant. Leave uh, Ullman and uh, uh, Bergman's muse. Well, Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac went to Juilliard together. Oh, uh, they played married couple and they were in a most violent year together. Mm. As a couple, if you remember that, I really like. Yeah, but so they have a long history. So well,
1: I'm looking forward to this. Another Another movie that came out this week only in theaters that you didn't know anything about that max foise turned me on to was queen pins it's yeah. uh, d- it's directed by a husband and wife team uh, written and directed by husband and wife team, based on a true story it's Kristen bell from you know Kristen veronica mars in the good place and her good place co-star kirby howell baptiste and her co-star from cruella paul walter hauser and vince vaughn and BB Rex is in a little more. And uh, Joel Mah- Joel McHale plays Kristen Bell's husband. And it is a comedy based on a true story about how two housewives, three in the original story, uh, got coupons from Mexico and sold them to housewives. If you're going to get uh, forty dollars worth of free stuff, would you pay twenty dollars for a forty dollar coupon? absolutely you will and so they made 40 million dollars oh god yeah and then of course they got caught uh kristen bell was a she plays a former olympic race walker and as jack mcbrayer says an overlooked category in the olympics which is true i know friends a a friend of mine was a race walker and my cousin was a race walker judge you have to make sure that one foot's on the ground at, at at any given time, uh, there there are a lot of people in this movie that uh, Stephen Root's in this movie too. It's a great great cast, but it's basically two stories. You have the criminal aspect going on that's Kristen Bell, Vince Vaughn, and BB Rexa, and then you have the law. It's it's like you see the bad guys and then you see the uh, law guys catching them. Paul Walter Hauser plays as we've seen him in Richard Jewell, and we've seen him in I, and we saw him last in Cruella, and I'm sure he's going to be a doofus in the sequel to Cruella, Um, we see that he is a loss prevention officer at this series of grocery stores. And in the real story, it was Pepsi and Procter & Gamble that went after these people because they were losing millions of dollars of free products. Uh, Kristen Bell finds out if you write a letter, you get free stuff. And so they went to the plant in Mexico that makes the the coupons for free stuff, and they find an inside man because they say that they print these coupons and there's a whole bunch of extras just sitting around and they burn them. So they take the ones that were about to get burned and mail them back to the States. Therefore, it is a postal crime, which you have the Paul Walter Hauser is Ken Miller, and he He goes to the FBI and thinks it's a big deal. They laugh him off. But once you find out that they're doing this through the mail, that's when badass uh, Vince Vaughn comes in, and he carries a gun and can arrest people. While Paul Walter Hauser is just a guy who sees an injustice, and they make them both out to be schlubs. Well, no, they make Vince Vaughn out to be a badass, but he but he is a postal inspector so he's kind of a schlub too in real life isn't he you know i find i found that i found that weird because he's not the fbi and he's not he's not a police officer but yes he does have the he has a badge and a gun but you know paul he's he's just one step above the rung of Paul Walter Hauser but he's also Vince Vaughn and Vince Vaughn looks great in this movie he he's not the big he hasn't let himself go he's toned himself down he looks great and The problem is they they're not gross enough to be a gross. It's rated R because there are a couple F-bombs, but this movie could have been PG-13. And there there's one disgusting scene where there's a stakeout and uh, Ken Miller, Paul Walter Hauser's character uh, relieves himself in the car because they don't want to give up on the stakeout. I actually liked the boy cops buddy comedy part better than the, women committing the crimes, which was also funny. I, I just thought that that part was underdeveloped. I thought the buddy comedy stuff worked better than the other half of the movie. And now that the other half of the movie was bad, I just wish it was better. So this, this would have been a great movie. This would have been a good teen comedy if it was PG-13. Instead, they went rated R and they didn't go hard R enough. That's what I would like to see, in just a little bit more. If they're going to go R, go full R. Don't just be able to say the F word a couple times. So I, I wanted a little more out of it. It's still good. It's just not great.
0: Well, I'm sorry I missed it because I do like uh, Paul Walter Hauser a
1: lot. And Kristen Bell is great. And it was supposed to it was supposed to be with uh, Leslie Jones, and I'm glad Curry howell Baptiste did it because Leslie Jones. And she can be really good. This was not the role for her. This, uh, I, because they, you're supposed to feel sorry for these girls. And Leslie Jones would have had attitude. And I've seen Leslie Jones tone down the attitude. And she can't. She can act, but I'm, a, I'm afraid that the there would have been a little. <laughs> since this was going to be a rated R movie, I think this she would have done more, uh, abrasive Leslie Jones, and it would have been different. She would so. have taken out of the story she would have and they've already changed a little bit they've already streamlined the story they aged them down a little bit one of the women was like late 50s maybe early 60s and the other the other two people were women of color but they were hispanic so uh it's they they changed stuff just to streamline the story and i think uh it's i once you look at the facts they didn't really deviate from a lot of what actually happened so we started with uh a lot of september 11th remembrances and i'm glad we're ending on a a screwball comedy which was based on a true story right well we need comedy before we wrap up i need to say there is on, on
0: discovery plus there is the john stewart documentary uh no uh Oh God, what is it left behind? It's about his fight to get benefits Mm -hmm. for the first responders and it's the documentary. So it is kind of like the companion piece to worth, but moving on from September 11th, I want to point out two events Monday At the Buter Library of the St. Louis Public Library System, there's going to start a free movie series, Monday matinees. And uh, for the month of September, it's going to be uh, Hitchcock movies. And September 13th, Monday, is the first one. And our buddy Joshua Ray is going to introduce North by Northwest. Now, I am on the lineup for September 29th. I will be introducing rear window with uh, James Stewart and Grace Kelly, one of my favorites. And then I'm gonna be uh, at different times during the year, which I'll bring up, but I'm really excited about this. It's free, so free movies and good movies. And it's- I
1: I love Booter Library Uh, at their original location at Hampton and Eichelberger. I was there every day from fourth grade through eighth grade. So I was there every single day after school. And I, I loved doing it. And it was, I, I love Booter Library and I love their new location, uh, closer to, closer to Hampton Village. It's at, it's at Hampton and Sutherland.
0: Right. It's right next to the Target, right across from Hampton Village. and. I'm very excited. So some of our film friends are going to be introducing it. And I know it's hard for you because it's a Monday afternoon, but. And
1: that's that's the only thing. I, it's it's in the afternoon. And I know that they're doing this for, you know, older folks, but I wish they would have done some of them at night because I would have gone. I love Budu Library. It, it's one of my favorite places in the entire world. Well, hopefully
0: sometime maybe we'll do something and uh, you can be involved in it. Another thing is, sadly, because you were going to be on my team, um, the I Love Movies Trivia Night as, that was slated for September 24th at the Centine Center for the Arts, sponsored annually by the Cinema St. Louis folks, they have decided because of the COVID situation and because of the cramped quarters for the trivia night that is the ballroom at the Centine center that they are just going to move it to next year and so they're not even going to have a virtual one because they're busy uh, playing lift yeah st. Louis National, so they just thought forget it because this is september because last year they had the virtual one
1: early summer and, and so. um there i might have had to back out because i believe there was a hockey game that night and speaking of your st louis blues Uh, 20 years ago on September 11th, the Blues were trapped in Alaska because the Blues were playing a preseason game against uh, the San Jose Sharks in Alaska. So they couldn't leave. And so they were just playing hockey uh, like against all the local teams while they were stuck up in Alaska. And then like at the first home game, they had uh, Lee Greenwood sing uh, God bless the USA at the first game back
0: uh-huh
1: that, was, that well, was a very emotional day well you were at the cardinal game last night because they honored the blues right they did it was st louis blues night and i was at the baseball game wearing uh-huh. my ring which i am not wearing today but well,
0: I, I saw your your lovely wife's photos from that on the facebook which you don't do i'm not
1: you, on facebook thank goodness but we
0: wouldn't know what you were doing without nicole <laughs> that's you true she's very proud of you and everybody else in her oh, family She yes. shares She shares she's like your biggest promoter so yes. she shares your photos and it's fun because then i'm like
1: oh carl did this so
0: i know and, what you're up to and,
1: and the and, last uh, thing right before that we went to the brand new deer creek bar and grill the old cousin hugo's is reopening tomorrow and I will be there. And they, since I went there every Thursday night for 20 years, they wanted me to test out their wings to make sure that they still had the same recipe. And they are just as good as they were for the last 50 years because it's opening back up tomorrow. And I'm glad that they're doing it. Well, great. I was going to mention that to you because I know
0: Cousin Hugo was your favorite place. And I missed your birthday party there one year because I had a splitting migraine after but a screen.
1: Yeah, but but yes, uh, Deer Creek Bar and Grill opens up in the old Cousin Hugo spot uh, September twelfth. I will be well, there. Well, cool. And then we have to we have to mention before we
0: wrap it up the sad death of Michael K. Smith this week. He's yes. an M- Nominee for Lovecraft Country, and people think he's going to win posthumously. Which the Emmys are uh, September nineteenth, and we'll talk about that next week. But he was Omar in The Wire, yes, and has been on so many shows, done such good work. Boardwalk Empire, Mm -hmm. uh, a whole bunch of HBO shows, and HBO issued a statement. It's believed to have been a drug overdose because drug paraphernalia was found in his
1: apartment and he's he's admitted admitted for a long time that he's had a drug he's had a problem with drugs his entire life
0: right which and so it just makes it really sad because he was 54 such a great talent could play a variety of roles, and uh, uh, young people really loved him, and the tributes keep pouring in for him, and then uh, his death was the same day Jean-Paul Belmondo's death was announced, the famous French actor, and all- if you are not familiar with Jean-Paul Belmondo, all you have to do is watch Breathless, which kicked yeah. up the French New Wave, and you will be a fan of his for life. You will catch up on all his movies because he is magnificent in Breathless.
1: You should you should see Breathless anyway, even before he passed. Because
0: Right, you're a film person. You have to. Yeah, and they have a new restored version, which is really Fabulous. And that's Gene Gene Seabird too, which the other movie. So we will be talking fall movies because we're starting to get into the serious awards contenders. Cause next week we have the eyes of Tammy Faye another Jessica Chastain. And, well,
1: and yeah, I, I might be missing that because I might be at the Doobie Brothers, but the Doobie Brothers might be canceled because Michael McDonald's got the Rona and they're not sure if he'll be back and if he's not going to be there, I'm not going to be there because I've seen the Doobie Brothers without him and I want to see Doobie Brothers with him. So I and, might be in Eyes of Tammy Faye. Well, this is one of them where he's back with them because for a while he wasn't. Yeah, but he, he's got he's got COVID, so yeah, he's he's but, in quarantine well, yeah. right now. We'll see if he's back.
0: Sure. So everybody stay safe. Yeah, stay safe so I can go see Michael McDonald. Come on, Michael. Get your vaccine. I know people are starting to get their booster shots. We all want to get this over with so we can enjoy life. And if we don't get those numbers up, it's really going to be depressing. And uh, we don't want any more of what we had to go through for 18 months. No. The only way it's going to get over is if we have people take it serious. So we take it seriously even though we have a lot of fun here and we are really encouraging people we don't want to uh, we don't want um cast dispersions but you know there's a lot of sadness and heartbreak with these deaths and as we learned from 9-11 loss is loss and uh we're still reeling from that 20 years ago and as we age we lose more people so it's never easy and it's never fun and uh we should end on a lighter note but stay safe everybody and uh We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Bye,
1: Carl. You have a good weekend. Bye, Lynn. Thanks. Thank you.